Hello and welcome again to Political Journeys. Today's guest is Richard Alatori, and Richard served in the State Assembly in the 1970s and then was on the uh, Los Angeles City Council. And Richard Alatori was really a big influence um, and I think one of the founders of the Latino movement in Los Angeles and really was a mentor for many politicians that are now uh, serving in office or, or are running or have been recently. So please enjoy the podcast. And once again, thanks for listening. All right, we're going to start then with uh, Richard Alatori. Uh, thank you so much for being on Political Journeys. And um, you've had an illustrious career and you've been involved in many many political battles and um, and just kind of want to walk through your life, uh, your elected life, um, what maybe you worked on other campaigns prior to, and then what kind of what shaped and formed your beliefs um, in politics, you know, whether it's domestic, foreign policy, whatever it might be. But yeah, as right. a kid growing up, what did were you involved in politics or were your parents involved? Well, you know, I got involved, you could say, at an early age. I mean, I was, uh, you know, ran for student body office at a young age, uh, left, went to college, got a bachelor's degree in, you know, the early 60s. And, um, you know, from there, I got involved with uh, the civil rights movement. But if you could, there. if you don't mind huh? going back to it, you, do you sure. remember politics being discussed in your home as, as a Oh, as yeah. A kid? Well, see, it was discussed, you know, my, you know, we used to have dinner all the time, my sister, my mother and father, you know, every night. And my father was, was somewhat well, he was well read. You know, he read both newspapers in Los Angeles and, uh, he always had an interest in politics, and he tried to instill in me uh, the importance of uh, involvement, uh, the importance of, uh, you know, caring about things that, that matter in the local community. My father was um, worked for 35 years for a stove manufacturing company. Uh, while he wasn't well educated, he was well read, and uh, he always instilled on my my sister and myself uh, to you know be active in things that were important to the community. I um, I grew up in an impoverished area. I um, what part of L.A. East Los Angeles, and uh, you know I. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, I went to uh, James A. Garfield High School. Okay. Graduated from high school in 61. Uh, went uh, to Cal State LA. Uh, got married at a very young age. Uh, and from there, I just, uh, you know, finished what? off my college. Uh, got... Um, and were yeah, you like, were you were you involved in uh, politics in high school or college? Did it no, see, attract your attention at all? Uh, let me let me try and put it so that it's. Un I was involved to the extent I could be involved in. I mean, in other words, in college, uh, I worked. 
you know, 50 hours a week, went to school full time. Uh, wow, so, so consequently, my involvement was limited from the standpoint of a time in the day and in the evening. But were you following uh, politics? Did you follow No, I followed national it. I followed politics? it uh, throughout the time that I was, you know, in, in college, not active. And I really didn't get active until uh, I got until I graduated and uh, got divorced at a very young age. Had two children, um, and uh, from the time that I graduated, I began my involvement in local community activities, political activities. Uh, Things that were had an impact on the lives of of, of many people, and uh, my father, uh, during the time that he was alive, uh, tried to in, instill in me uh, the importance of of activism, the importance of uh, being uh, involved to the extent uh, of helping out. You know, people that uh, I grew up with, people that I lived uh, around. And uh, and was your dad you political know, in the sense yeah. of, uh, was he a Democrat? Was he? Well, yeah, my dad was a Democrat. My mother was a Democrat. My sister and myself. I mean, you know, I came from a Democratic household. Okay. I was pretty much the only one that pursued a career in politics. And uh, I was fortunate enough when I was my my last uh, matter of fact, it was the the Kennedy campaign that uh, really just instilled in me the importance of public service. Bobby and, Kennedy or President Kennedy or Bobby Kennedy? Yeah, President President okay. Kennedy and uh, Bobby Kennedy and uh, uh, Ted Kennedy. I mean, I was uh, you know they were there. They're the ones early on that, uh, you know, I mean, I followed, I listened to, I worked <laughs> on the campaign of, of Jack Kennedy and got him, you know, uh, you know, got him, ele- helped him get, helped him get elected. And uh, from there, uh, you know, I started active involvement and I, I got involved in, in Pat. Pat Brown's last gubernatorial campaign, and pretty much from from that point on, uh, you know, I, you who, know, met local people. That's what I was going to ask you. Uh, who were who were some local politicians well, at that time know, in your local area? Local politicians at that time. The guy that really helped me get get started was uh, Walter Carabin. He served with Bruce. Okay, uh, I. I got involved with him. Uh, you know, I helped manage his campaign, his second campaign, and uh, then uh, I got involved uh, in teaching. I taught at uh, the University of California at Irvine for a couple of years, okay. and you know, is what I learned from uh, my one of my mentors is that uh, you know you stay involved. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, try and do what you can in a period of time. 
And if you haven't been able to accomplish, move on and uh, move on to something else uh, that's, you know, instilled in and helped uh, improve the lives of, of others. And I was very fortunate because um, when I left teaching at Irvine, I went to Sacramento. And uh, In what capacity worked, did you go to Sacramento? Worked in a consultant work as a consultant in the at that time the democrats controlled the, the legislature so i did some consultant work and um i remember my my mentor uh pretty much instilled in me is you know you know i i have faith in you and and one point in at some point in your life uh when you're ready to get involved he says i will help you and uh, direct you and raise money for you uh, to uh, see your uh, your objective and your goals being achieved. And sure enough, in 1971, uh, I got ele- I got elected into office. And actually, in 1972. Well, who I was your elected. mentor? What's that? Who was your mentor? I told you uh, that. Walter Walter Kareem. Oh, okay. Back to Walter. All right. Yeah, yeah. he was a young guy and, uh, you know, former district attorney, uh, you know, was graduated from USC. and I got a master's degree from USC. So, you know, it just kind of clicked. And, you know, I loved it. I love politics and I loved, uh, to me, Politics was a viable means of social change, and uh, so it, it helped me in in the development of my career. What what year was your first race? You say seventy two. First race was in nineteen seventy seventy one, and I got elected in seventy two. So on your first try, that's pretty good. Well, yeah, no, actually, it was the second try. Oh, okay, I mean, so- if you if you look at. Uh, if you look at my first election, it was during the time of, uh, you know, contested presidential campaign. Hubert Humphrey was involved. Uh, you had uh, George McGovern uh, was involved. And pretty much during the time that it, during my first uh, contest, it was uh, control of the legislature and control of reapportionment. Uh, and, uh, you know, by the, the first time I lost, but it was for the une- unexpired term, uh, in, uh, the legislature. So six months after I lost, ran again and got elected. Who do you remember? I'm sure you do. Who was your opponent or did you have more uh, than my one? My opponent was a guy by the name of Bill Brophy, not anybody that people knew. Uh, he should never have won the first time, but as but if you remember, I mean, it was during the height. This time was this period was during the height of uh, the dirty tricks of Richard Nixon. Uh, they spent a lot of money. The Republican Party spent a lot of money trying to help take away votes from me uh, to the advantage of the Republican Party. And, uh, you know, was it a, a close district? Happened. Was the registration but, close in the district? 
No, the registration should have was the type that should have, uh, it was, you know, I would say it probably was about 60 some percent, but it was a special election. There were, you know, probably a quarter of a million dollars that was spent by the Republicans to help out, uh, the, the, uh, a new breed of, of, uh, of young, uh, what they called the third party people. And, uh, they spent money on, on, you know, helping me was here's the situation. The situation was they knew that, uh, you know, it was going to be a low turnout. So all they had to do was try and, take away votes from the Democrats and and uh, get Republicans out. I lost by like 5,000 votes. But, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was a, un, a, just a totally different type of, of uh, an election. And uh, I was convinced then, as obviously I'm convinced now that I knew I could it would have been a different regular election I would have won. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, I spent, uh, raised money and uh, did what I needed to get elected. And I did. I won by, you know, over six, 7,000 votes. Okay, so that was a big turnaround then. Yeah. So oh, yeah. When, you, when you got to Sacramento, what were your, what was your impression when you got to Sacramento? Who, who did you align with? friends with well, what, you know my friends uh, Wally obviously Craven was one of them I was a good friend of one of my other friends was Willie Brown uh, John Burton uh, your dad uh, you know Ken Matty so you were kind of, uh, and those were obviously across the aisle so you had oh yeah no, I had, both uh, sides you and... know I had great friends and uh, you know to this day you know your dad is I don't see him that much, but uh, you can call any time. That's great. Obviously, I'd be, uh, you know, I just loved him. He was just a, a different kind of a Republican, yeah. and uh, he could see through things. And, you know, he was very sophisticated. And, you know, we had great times. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was just fortunate to run, ac- run across and, you know, develop friendships like your dad and other non-traditional Republicans. So what were the issues going on back then? So you had... You know, uh, the issues were the same as they were, you know, they are now. I mean, it's, you know, educational issues. It was, uh, you know, uh, labor issues. It was... uh, And did you see any of the national politics... In California, oh yeah, I mean, I, you did... know, I got involved in national politics. I was in, involved in the National Democratic Committee. Uh, who did you support? And it's it, who did I support for president? I supported. Yeah. Uh, I supported the Kennedy. I supported Bobby. I supported Jack Kennedy. I mean, uh, uh, Ted Kennedy. And, and by I supported. In... You know, I supported Hubert Humphrey. That's why I was wondering in '72. Um, yeah, '72. It would have been. Uh, well, McGovern you know, was the nominee. McGovern. You know, McGovern. You know, was 
same time as their, you know, progressivism and everything else. And, you know, uh, you know, I believed in it, but I believe more in the men and, and the people I was attracted to were people I developed a relationship early on and, uh, stayed with them. And then, you know, a lot of things happened over, over time, but, um, you know, yeah, how has the was the environmental movement large, big in your party at that time? No, at that time, but it was it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, you know, it's uh, what was you know uppermost in the minds of of, uh, of people were jobs. It was uh, you know the environments to to a certain extent. It was unemployment. It was obviously education. So, I mean, there's a variety of issues. And, uh, you know, I was a fairly liberal, you know, Democrat. But, you know, it's also a very practical one. Did, um, when Prop 13 came about, what what was your yeah. impressions of Prop 13? Oh, you know, on Prop 13, it was uh, the Prop 13 babies. I mean, they're, you know, they're nuts. But what did you see happening then? Did you understand? Okay, here's a tax movement. Um, What were were your thoughts? You know, this. Well, you know, my thoughts were, uh, you know, it obviously didn't align with the things I believed in. The end result was, you know, the passage of it, and you know, the philosophy that a lot of these young elected officials had was, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna close it, you know, we're gonna we're gonna cut government spending, we're gonna do all these things, which admirable, uh, but it was wasn't part of my philosophy. I mean I I'm not for run around or runaway spending or anything else. But the, the needs that I had in the community that I represented uh, were a lot different than uh, people that uh, believe that, uh, you know, we got to cut government spending, cut taxes, do all of these things. I mean, you know. Yeah, you saw it more as. They weren't okay. practical. Yes. Yeah, yeah you had to real fund practical. A- and you're you probably know, thinking we have we have to fund these government services, my constituents. This, yeah, we we don't sure. So when you get to education, you you touched on that a couple times. Yeah, Would, was the education reform? Was there reform movements in the sense of okay, your your district versus Palo Alto versus Orange sure. County? You know, Prop 13. That was. That was a problem, and then ultimately, or actually, think prior to that, there's a Supreme Court case of um, Serrano versus Priest that says we have to right. equalize education spending, so it's mm-hmm. not all based on property tax reward. The wealthy areas have better education system. How sure. did did that intersect? Well, your see, world those of- were the, the the things that were overriding in my philosophy and uh, the way that I believed in governing, as you know. Uh, it's never been equal. Education has never been equal. It has always been, uh, you know, depending on where you live and depending on 
uh, how much how much you need uh, to to spend. Uh, that's what dictated a lot of the things. And you know, look at I was involved in uh, Serrano v. Priest. Yeah, I got involved in in that because you know I filed a help filed a lawsuit against uh, the Orange County Schools uh, that uh, made it so that kids that were, as an example, in in mental retarded classes because of a language deficiency and the like, uh, that they were taken into consideration and uh, that they were uh, provided and not thrown into mental retarded classes because uh, they only spoke one language and it wasn't necessarily the language of the land mm-hmm. and things had to be done for for these kids i mean the lawsuit that we filed and won in santa Ana schools was uh that kids were thrown into mental retarded classes uh because they never tested properly and it wasn't until we won that case where uh, you know, things changed and it obviously changed for the, the betterment of kids in parts of Orange County. When that, That's you know, interesting. So, I didn't know you were involved in that, too. So that probably led to the independent assessment needs and so forth of, okay, do we need a different learning uh, program for these children? Well, yeah. I mean, and, it was, you know, bilingual education was one aspect. But I was the one that believed in you know, keeping them in a, in, in a bilingual class just for the sake of keeping them there. I mean, to me, you, uh, you know, you move them and, you know, you help develop their, their fluency in another language. Uh, and as well as, uh, you know, you don't put a kid down because uh, he has, he speaks another language, but the language of the land. I mean, you use that uh, to get them to a point where they become language proficient in both uh, English and Spanish, as an example. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so a lot of what's in philosophy, a lot, a lot of philosophy. And, you know, I, I had run-ins with the, the bilingualites uh, because they believe that, they, you know, you keep them in a bilingual class the rest of their educational career. And that's, you know, yeah. that was stupid. Was Spanish your first language? I, my first language was, yeah, Spanish, but it wasn't, uh, you could say I was, you know, I spoke Spanish, but didn't speak the right, the proper Spanish. I spoke English, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in anything that, uh, didn't have to be improved upon. So, you know, I was, uh, I was just like a lot of kids at that point in, in life and that point in my life where, you know, I had to develop uh, proficiencies in, in both. And I recognize that. My parents recognized it. And, you know, they strive, they strove to, you know, get me to a point where, uh, you know, I became Englishly functional, and I could speak Spanish uh, to a point, and yeah, you know, so, it worked for me. Yeah. So, going back to the uh, process of bilingual education, did you 
Mm-hmm. Do you see more immersion being a better tactic then for, okay, how do we get these kids learning? You know, their well, I knew it wasn't quickly? just trying to just shove a language at the expense of another language. That wasn't the answer, but, uh, you know, but not I a thought long that term. the answer was a combination of uh, uh, immersion as well as make, keeping them, you know, developing English proficiency as well as maintaining a proficiency in Spanish. You know what's interesting now is a friend of mine, he's got young kids in kindergarten, and the school offers, this is in Riverside, dual education. I mean, they, and these are uh, English-speaking kids, but you can put them right. in Spanish right away, so they're learning both Spanish and English in kindergarten. So do a quick no. merge so they learn Spanish in the first couple of years of school with English. Right. So they're mm-hmm. bilingual by the time they're in third grade. Interesting how, how we've kind of almost come full circle there. In- right. But it's, you know, at the beginning, uh, it was, you know, this is a, this is an English, uh, English, uh, you know, speaking school. Uh, you got to learn English at the expense of your native language. And, that became that became a tremendous you know liability for for kids and um, it didn't help them it didn't work we spent a lot of money uh, I believe that you work on developing proficiency in both so did you get involved in uh, party politics in the sense of when you're in the legislature did you get involved in leadership races did hey, you... well you know I got involved in races you know um, it took me, um, you know, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, a, the ultimate friend of Willie Brown, who I think is probably one of the brightest and probably one of the most, uh, you know, probably one of the best leaders that we had over a long period of time. So, you know, I got involved with him. And he lost like about three times, so that means I lost. And it wasn't until 1980 when he won, when I finally helped elect a, a speaker. And um, I only had five more years after that. But um, it was a great ride. It so, was a great ride being ahead of, uh, you know, maybe there was four of us and Four of us pretty much ran the state. So, what happened when? Were you still there when the the some of the Democrats uh, bolted and voted against Willie Brown for Speaker? Yeah, yeah. Gang of Five. Yeah, the gang. Who, yeah, who was five, it? What, what, what were they doing there? And they were, uh, you know, they they were going nowhere, <laughs> and they thought that they could develop an an alliance with the Republicans who wanted. You know, they they were definitely nowhere, and um, they tried it, and it was to their disadvantage. It was Dick Robinson. You know, you probably I remember knew him. him. Yeah. Okay, so it was Dick, uh, and then he got out. But it was primarily uh, five guys or whatever it was. Yeah, Steve Clint, five. I think was one of them. <laughs> Steve Peace. Was one from San Diego. There was uh, Condit, was another one, another guy from um, 
Oh, God, I forgot his name, but he was from... Uh, so were they seen as in the caucus? They were just, they were, you know, obstructionists. obstructionists. And pretty much we learned how to isolate them, and we isolated them, and they came back home. So so Willie, how, how was, did Willie yeah. deal with it then? What was his, when that happened, how did he, did he he was obviously not happy and he isolated them and they learned what it was like to have an office on the seventh floor <laughs> when there's only six floors uh in the capitol so uh, you know they they um we all got we all eventually got along i mean so you know for me it was um you know i did reapportionment in 1981 and, um, you know, it was the beginning of Willie Brown's tenure as, as speaker of the, the longest living speaker in the house. So, uh, so what was the, uh, the gubernatorial race? So you had Pete Wilson or no, you had obviously Duke Mason, then Wilson. What was it? What was the plan to say, Hey, we got to win the governorship. Um, the Republicans, keep dominate we the democrats dominated the state legislature but yet you mm -hmm. had republican governors this is obviously well, after after brown you know it's how did you it's you know look at i you know i learned how to you know we learned how to get along and uh, uh you know we ran the legislature and yeah they got they were able to prevail and on some legislative things, but ultimately, we had you know we had smarter people, a tougher when needed to be, and uh, we did you know very well. Did Majin, you know, death penalty, Pete Wilson, immigration, um, but you know was it you know Pete Wilson? I remember. Uh, Oh God! Wait, I'll tell you, it's Stu Spencer. Oh yeah, Stu Spencer was Stu. yeah. Stu and, and I just became friends early on in 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 my political career. I helped out his daughter get into UC Irvine, uh, and he never forgot that. And to this day, uh, his daughter and uh, Stu and I are best of friends um admired him you know i didn't agree with you know what he ultimately did to help pete wilson become governor or get reelected a governor but it was smart and it began a, a very bloody uh, time in, in the legislature and the history of california uh, until we were able to uh, prevail and and went out and um, but and you guys I, did how did you I mean it was a sea change from Prop 187 Pete right. Wilson you guys the Democrats turned it around pretty quickly by the next oh, yeah. election the Democrats began to run the table in oh, yeah. California, was it yeah, just yeah. simply mobilizing the Hispanic vote? Were there other issues you think that played in, or was it just the timing? I think it was the timing and uh, the fact that we were able 
to uh, mobilize the undocumented, but who ultimately became citizens. And, um, you know, I mean, I could, I can, I still can visualize what Stu came up with. And that is, uh, you know, it was like a flood of people, you know, breaking down the, the border and coming to, to, uh, to California. And, uh, you know, it just became an ugly time. And, but yet it was a time when the Democrats recognize the importance of uh of latinos and you know yeah what was odd about that is reagan had amnesty reagan exactly brought, and and reagan probably i don't know the stats but probably got a, a larger percentage yeah. of the hispanic vote than any republican yeah. since then but he had he had the right mix i think of okay we got to reach well, out we he under he understood uh you know that you know we had to learn how to get along and uh, we did, and um, you know, to this day, I mean, it's it it just goes back and forth. This election, which nobody ever thought that you know Trump would win, uh, just brought back all of the ugly things about uh, you know politics and uh, you know race baiting and everything else but um, it's just a fact of life i mean they can't you know i mean they can try and keep and and resurrect it but eventually it's going to come back and you know the republicans can help elect a, uh, a a person at the top of the ticket but eventually they can't control the legislature or anything else because that's what ultimately will will control you know they uh, they're able to uh, to help uh win say a gubernatorial election but can't win the legislature you know and yeah. it's it's a weird it's a weird phenomena so what do you think is going on in in politics right now national politics the Democrat Party ha- has a, a split in the recent convention. You have the nurses' union pushing single payer, um, right? And in the Republican side, you just mentioned Trump obviously is split down the middle to the side, whatever it is. Yeah, what, well, you just, whatever on? it is yeah. at any time during the day. Yeah, exactly. So, what what do you think is going on? And what's creating is are these parties realigning right now? Do you think is there something? Well, they something's got to be done. I mean, Democrats, uh, you know. Look at I. I believe, you know, progressive politics and all that shit. But you know what? Uh, I believe in winning too, and I like winning better than, you know, trying to create division and and the like, and not advance anything. I, you know, I just don't like that. Republicans. I mean, it's with this election, but I was a great deal of hatred. <clears throat> Nobody ever thought it would hold. But it did, and elected a guy that uh, knows nothing about how to govern, knows nothing about uh, how uh, to run, uh, you know, executive branch of government, the legislative branch of government. Uh, you know, he's in it for himself, and uh, he was able to identify with certain things that inflamed 
uh, the, you know, the feelings between people. And his side won this time. They're not going to win the next time. But, you know, it just, just doesn't help. And uh, I think it's too bad. I, you know, I don't like extremes on either side. Uh, you know, I believe in getting things done. And I mean, Bruce and Mike Ruth, myself, we sat on the Criminal Justice Committee. Now, none of us were, you know, I mean, me especially was there for one reason, to, you know, to get back at me, but also <laughs> they knew that I would never, you know, go to any one of the extremes that, you know, I believed in what I believed in it. Um, what, know. Yeah, what it, one going back one second to the to the Democrat Party you had Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders. Which wing of the Democrat Party thinks gonna be put forward in in the next presidential race? Is it gonna, it's gonna be, be a mix? It'll be a mix of, of Hillary and uh, and Bernie. It's not really Bernie is you know he's out in left field somewhere, nice guy and everything else. But, you know, never was, I would have never voted for him. I like that. I like smart people. I like functional people. I like people that know it, that want to get things done. And they have the intellectual capacity to be able to, to accomplish it. And, um, I mean, I don't care what they say about Hillary Clinton. She's probably one of uh, the most capable persons that there is. She might not have the greatest personality or anything else, but, uh, you know, I liked her. I, I liked her more than I liked Bill Clinton. Mm. But, um, you know, I thought it was her time. I thought in my lifetime I could see I'd see a woman elected president, but and I would have well, sworn still it might. was going to be this time too. You still might. But I, I guess I'm with – are we losing the ability to to see the center as a productive way to govern in the sense of Hillary Clinton, Jeb, Jeb Bush, or John Kasich on the Republican side? Are the people just that frustrated? They say, we don't want the middle. We don't want a politician that can work both sides. We want the Bernie Sanders, the Trump, whatever it is. We we want the exact opposite of that. Do you, do you think that's going away? I, don't, that... I, see, I, I don't think that long term it's going to be the answer I think that you know we've seen it with Democrats we've seen it with Republicans extremes uh, never last you know they're just uh, it's a whimsical time I mean I just you know I would have you know if I would have been a Republican. I probably would have. I probably would have gone with Bush. Never been one. <clears throat> Never voted for a Republican, but I would have voted for anybody but Trump. Do you think he would have been the better candidate against Hillary? I think he would have been. Uh, I think for the long for the long haul, he'd have been better. I mean, absolutely, because you know it's. Um, you know, I've seen it within our party, and you know, I saw it with, you know, George McGovern. I saw it, you know, and I loved Hubert Humphrey. Just a, you know, wonderful human being. Mm -hmm. I just saw it with uh, 
you know, with, with other Democrats that, you know, were nuts. I've seen it with Republicans. And, you know, to me, we need to be able to govern and to be strong and, and not get caught up with, you know, strings either way. Because, I mean, you know, this country has got to continue to to develop, to uh, to progress and everything else. And extremes are not the way. Extremes just, it's like a, like a whim. You know, they last for a period and then they go back and, you know, trying to identify yourself. But I think the, the Democrats forgot and, you know, they just fell in love with their own, you know, and so did I. <laughs> fell in love with the fact that it was our time and um, we lost sight of the working person, the working man. <clears throat> you know, uh, what does it mean to be a Democrat? What does it mean to be, you know, pro-labor? You know, we just thought that day we had them locked up because we had, you know, the bosses on our side and, uh, you know, what we lost sight of was what, you know, Trump was advocating and, you know, and, you know, he was just off the wall and into an extreme position that just doesn't, that won't, it won't, over time, it's not going to be successful. And, uh, you know, we have got to learn how uh, to uh, understand the times that we're living in and provide leadership, uh, you know, on all sides. And um, I think that's, you know, that's the kind of Democrat that I've always been. And Trump, what's interesting is he's, for all his craziness, his focus on the the middle class union worker really uh well, yeah because so is... he he was able to identify the neglected group of people that you know was nice to uh you know incite and and to get people excited about something but you know it doesn't have any any long-term ultimate effects and you know he saw what people like myself and others saw and that is that you know we're going to lose it because we just took for granted we just took for granted uh working people and uh and the like and that they would never go anywhere else but with us and, and the like and you know uh, what Trump was able to do is to, uh, you know, go after that group of disinterested, uh, you know, alienated people, and uh, get them on his side. And and there's still, I, I'm curious about the union, the labor union movement, as far as the trade union and so forth. Can it ever come back? I mean, the public oh, yeah. employee unions dominate. But, I mean. Yeah. I think that they're they're going to have a, a a great chance of of uh, seeing what it got us uh, to believe that uh, what uh, what uh, 
what uh, you know the president Trump was uh, advocating and everything else, and you know he just went after an alienated class of people, and uh, you know and play with them, and uh, he was successful, mm-hmm. and we didn't we didn't have the foresight to be able to uh, to catch it early and to do something about it and consequently uh, i mean i always remember it's a, the week before the election and they were doing a, a story about the system in philadelphia okay and the alderman and you know the, the, the labor boss and and the like and fascinated by you know the things that they they did and they thought they that it was just going to continue on like it has for the last 30 years 40 years 50 years and uh they just misread the alienated labor person uh and uh tired of the you know big bosses and and the like and we lost as a result of it. Yeah. Well, uh, one last question. You've been very generous mm-hmm. with your time. I appreciate sure. it. Sure. What, what do you see the, the gubernatorial race coming up on Democrats? So what's, are there going to be any dividing issues? Or is it going to be personality-based? Or what, what do you it's, think it's going to Well, you know, I, I mean, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but it's always... Uh, oh, wait. I don't know. It's, I hate to say it, but it's always personality-based. Yeah. And uh, this to this election, I just don't see. First of all, Republicans don't even have a candidate. <laughs> okay, we have a lot of candidates, right? right? Uh, you know, it's um, it's going to be interesting. It's the the liberal, which is uh, you know a young kid from San Francisco. Uh, then you've got. Uh, Antonio Virigosa, who is the ethnic. Then you have uh, John Chang, uh, who uh, is a real interesting guy. And uh, there'll be others. And uh, unless it, we learn how to galvanize and work with each other, we could lose it again. But I don't think so. I think Virigosa has a good chance of, if he would tout his education involvement he really yeah. aligned himself i thought well in la of pushing for reform in the in the school system right and he could be a leader i think on that issue oh yeah he could be a leader on the issue of education he can be a leader on the issue of organized labor they can't get it all that they can't get everything that they want i mean he is not afraid to say no mm-hmm and I happen to to like him. I think that he would be, I think he'd be an interesting uh, elected governor in the state of California, and I'd like to see it happen. Good, so so you're supporting Villagorosa? Yeah, oh yeah, I'll be supporting Well, it will be a uh, interesting uh, race to watch, Well. Oh yeah, of course. Well, once again, thank you so much for your time. Oh, not at all, my friend. Really enjoyed it. And, okay, uh, say hello to your dad. I will, thank you. Okay, my friend. Take, Take care. care. Bye. All right, thanks again for listening to Political Journeys. This is Brian Nestandi, and I hope you enjoy these podcasts. And if you do, please like us on 
iTunes or wherever you might be listening to your podcast, and we will have another segment out very soon. Thanks again.